Good morning, Creekside. I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors. Um, man, so good to worship with you guys. And thank you to the band. Like, that was just so good to be brought uh, into that reminder and the way that that ended. Um, overcome by the presence of the Lord, inviting the Spirit um, here, and He is here. And, you know, we plan these things to, like, make it all fit together. But it's amazing how the Lord um, sometimes just does that on a level that I don't expect. And um, this, this week I was... Um, starting to read the Psalms. I'm going to go through the whole thing and, and just starting to process that. And I couldn't get past Psalm 1. And I want to share that with you. Um, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. But, but here, here it is. And I was just so blessed by this. And, um, and I, I just can't not start here this morning. Blessed is the man, the person, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, and just right there, like, man, this is the word that we need right now, right? The person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers or mockers or the cynical, right? But what, who is the blessed person instead? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. And that, that is just like beautiful, beautiful imagery for me. And uh, it came like a gift to me this week to just um, sit there and let that, that image kind of sprout in my mind of a tree that's planted by water. And I'm trying to like unpack for myself, like why, like what am I connecting with so deeply there? Like what is it that's speaking to me so profoundly about that image of this tree soaking it in? And I think, I think it's the peacefulness of it all. You know, it's so peaceful. And I picture this I picture it as an oak tree in my mind, and the, the roots are just going down, and they're finding the nutrients, they're finding the water that's just right there from that stream, and it's just coming up, and then there's, there's no stress, there's no anything, right? It's just like the leaves are growing on this tree, and the fruit comes at the right time, and nobody's worried, nobody's fretting about anything, but it's just um, growing the way that it should, finding that life that it should, and I just love this picture of this is, this is the godly person. This is the person that God blesses. This is who God invites us to be is this tree to just sit there in the midst of a world that loses its mind on a regular basis, right? And to just be this tree that soaks it in. And I'm processing this because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're starting like a new series this morning. This one will be relatively short, but what we're doing is we're talking about what does it mean for us to be a family on a mission, okay? So we are a family. Um, we are a family, and we, are, we have this mission together. We're not just the kind of family that sits around and hangs out, and that's all we ever do. But we're a family with a mission. And, and we've been using that, that terminology for years now. Um, and, and we've been talking about we are a family on a mission, and this is the season in which um, God has been leading us as the elders and the staff to clarify what is that mission. Okay, so we are for sure a family. We definitely have a mission, but we've been over the last, like this calendar year, we've been wrestling with what specifically is the mission. Because there's a lot of really good things that we could go after. Um, there's a lot of things that God calls us to as a people, but we're trying to clarify for Creekside Church, for this family, what is that mission that we're going after? And so over the next five weeks, um, starting today, we're going to be um, unpacking a little bit of what is that mission that God's called us to. And I'm, I am excited. Like, I am thrilled with, um, with where God is calling us, I believe. I'm excited to share that with you. I'm excited about the excitement from the last service as everyone's saying, yes, this is resonating with my heart. I think God has been working in our congregation as a whole to lean us in a certain direction. Um, but, but as we do that, I want to just point out 
um, what we did is, so in May, we had our, um, our Vision Sunday, kind of our annual meeting, and we talked about all the exciting budget stuff. We also talked about some of the vision, um, and we, we pulled that out of John 17, and then we spent the whole summer into the fall, up until last week, going through John 13 to 17, the moment where Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room, and he's giving them his last words, his final instructions, he's praying for them, and everything that we're going to talk about in terms of the mission of Creekside Church is coming right out of those chapters, as we've been sort of like that tree soaking in that teaching and that time with Jesus um, now we're saying this is where this all points and where we're headed. One of the reasons why this is important to do um, is because, well, let, let me actually, let me just show you real quick, like, where we're headed. This is the mission that we've come up with, okay? So our mission, we're glorifying God by finding life in Jesus together, inviting others to do the same. Now, I have been uh, so steeped in this for the last, like, nine months or whatever. The elders and staff, we've been talking, refining, whatever, so I have no idea how that strikes anyone with fresh ears these days, but I want, my goal is to make you love that and to, like, have this, like, ins inspiration in your soul of, like, yes, this is what um, God is doing. Wh why this matters, though? Why, like, why devote a sermon and a sermon series to, like, a mission for a church? Um, something, something, like, happens, has been happening nationwide, um, and, and so I want to give you this distinction between um, a vision and a vehicle, okay? So a vision is like a direction. It's like where we're headed. It's where we're going. And so we're thinking of, we want to go spend a nice day up at Lake Tahoe, okay? So we're going to go up there. We're going to spend a nice day. That's the vision in our mind of like, yes, going up to Tahoe, enjoying the day up there. That's going to be amazing. The vehicle then is the car that we get in that takes us up there, right? And then maybe it's also the boat that we get in to go out on the lake. The vehicle is what gets us to the vision. And, and so in church terms, right, our, our vision is, is things like glorifying God and, and living as his people and loving each other, those kinds of things. That's the picture. And the vehicle, how are we going to get to that spot? It looks like things like a Sunday morning church gathering, right, a small group gathering, um, a youth ministry. Those kinds of things are the vehicles that are going to get us to the vision. And what happens is, um, they, 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 like the experts all say this, that when, you, when the vision gets fuzzy, or when the vision gets lost, when you kind of like have some disagreement or, or lack of clarity on the vision, what happens is the vehicle becomes the vision. Because you're not driving after anything bigger, and so the vehicle itself becomes the vision. And so we do things like the vehicle of Sunday morning where we gather, this becomes like what we're doing. This is the vision, is we are people that gather on Sunday mornings. And the reality is that that's not enough. And in uh, during the pandemic, I think we found like this opportunity, this invitation to rethink this, right? Because, okay, the pandemic came, we all had to kind of take a step back from our Sunday morning gatherings and from our small group gatherings and all these kinds of things. And we were all kind of sitting back on our couches and we're trying to figure it out. And what's happening nationwide is there's this trend where more and more people are saying, yeah, you know, Sunday morning as a gathering is not that compelling of a vision. And I don't really want to re-engage with it. And so we're seeing that nationwide. People are not re-engaging. And I see a lot of pastors, and I'm tempted to do this myself, trying to rally people around the vehicle. No, no, Sunday morning is awesome. Come join us for Sunday morning. It's so great. Come gather with us, right? But it is not a compelling enough vision. It's not a mission that we're pursuing. It's, it's a gathering. And it's a great gathering. I love it. But there has to be something bigger that we're going after. And so the invitation with um, us looking at the mission is just trying to say, hey, Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's ask the kind of awkward question as we have people nationwide, people in our own family that are like, yeah, you know, Sunday morning, it's not that exciting to me anymore. Let's ask the awkward question and say, why not? And, and, and what are we trying to do when we're here on Sunday or when we're in our small group? Because I think that what happens is 
when we get the vision in the right place, when, we're, when we see the mission that God is calling us after and we begin pursuing that, what happens is then we can kind of get back as a gift again Sunday morning in a way that makes sense, um, small group in a way that makes sense, youth ministry in a way that makes sense because they're all going to something that is more ultimate, something that's actually worth giving your Sundays to and every other day of your week too, to some kind of bigger mission and vision, okay? So the mission that, that we put before you, Creekside Church, we are glorifying God by finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. I think this is so compelling. And what I want to do is invite you to kind of consider some of the different phrases here, pulling these from um, John 13 to 17 that we've been looking at and just seeing how this could shape our trajectory as a church together. So the first, the first part I want to focus on is that idea of glorifying God. We at Creekside Church, we are, uh, we are set on glorifying God. Jesus, when he prayed, this was a few weeks ago we talked about this. Jesus, when he began praying for his disciples, he started by saying, Father, the hour has come. He's about to sacrifice himself for his people in love. The hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So Jesus is going to offer forgiveness. He's going to offer healing. He's going to reconcile warring groups of Jews and Gentiles together. All this is going to be accomplished as he lays his life down for his people. But what is he saying is the ultimate purpose, the ultimate reason behind all of that is, Father, glorify me so that I can glorify you. It's God and his glory. It's a high view of who God is, and he's saying this is the foundation for everything I'm about to do. And because that's Jesus' orientation is towards the glory of God, we're saying right off the bat, this needs to be ours too. We need to be people that are set on the glory of God. Sometimes we think, um, I believe, sometimes I think deeply, and I think we all get there, we think that our comfort is sort of like the goal. You know what I'm saying? Like, my, I want to orient my life. I want to structure my life so that I'm comfortable, so that I'm happy, okay? And we do the same thing in churches. We, we, um, we kind of orient things in such a way that's like, it's about me being comfortable. It's about me enjoying what's going on. Um, but I'm just telling you, that's not a good goal to have, ultimately. I mean, I, I want you to be comfortable. I like being comfortable. But that's not an, a big enough goal for all of us. And we all have areas in our life where we're willing to sacrifice our comfort for the sake of something bigger. So take, for example, um, take, for example, you're falling in love with a person, okay? So some of you just use your imagination. Some of you, like, think back 40, 50 years ago to when you fell in love. For some of you, or you're in the thick of it right now, okay? And when you're in love with something, somebody, right, what, what happens to you? It's not all about everything that makes me comfortable. No, if you're, if you're dating somebody long distance, for example, many of us have done this, right? You'll, like, drive for hours through the night to go see that person, right? Very uncomfortable thing to do, but you'll go and you'll sacrifice your time and you'll do it, right? Um, I assume kids these days that are in college that are dating long distance are on their phones on screen time all the time, right? We hate video conferencing, but man, when you're in love, you'll like FaceTime all the time, I assume. Maybe they're Snapchatting or whatever other thing I don't understand is, but they're doing things that are, are beyond their comfort because they're in love with somebody, right? Um, when you're in love with somebody, you'll go and hang out with your um, beloved's weirdo friend circle, right? Like, there's people that you would never choose to hang out with, right? But for some reason, the person I love has this friend, this friend, this friend, and I'll go, and I'll enter those really awkward social situations, and I'll be there because I love you. You, you become uncomfortable socially, right? Um, same thing, you'll, you'll get yourself into weird positions on the couch because you're trying to cuddle up to watch a movie, and you want to be touching, holding hands, you know, like my leg touching leg so that we can enjoy this movie together in a, in a loving sort of a cuddly sort of a way. It's not comfortable positions, but you do it because you want to be with somebody. Now, much more serious than that, okay? 
Um, this, this week, my wife and I have been binging 9-11 documentaries. And as we came on the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, they, they released some just like really, really profound, uh, you know, footage and, and interviews. And just, it's like, it's unbelievable. I mean, if you want to spend a week crying like we did, like just go watch some of these things. And it's, it's this tragedy, right? It's like this, this hor- horrifying evil thing that happened, right? And then you see all of the firefighters just rushing in, right? You see the police officers, you see the Marines, like everybody that was there that could help is just rushing in, okay? And they're not sitting there thinking like, I think this is the situation that will make me the happiest and most comfortable. No, they're driven by something higher. And so they're going up stairwells when they know for sure, like they're risking their lives for sure. And probably some of them seems like they knew, like definitely I'm giving my life because there's something bigger and greater. And so that sense of sacrifice for a bigger goal, that sense of of giving yourself for something that matters more, I think is so vital. And so when we have, um, as a church, when the, when the highest goal is our comfort and what, make, what do I want to see happen? How am I going to be happy every time? Um, that's not good for us. It's not healthy for us. It doesn't function. It doesn't really work like that. When we have a bigger goal, when we have something higher that we're going for, um, it works. It, and that's what we're called to do. I, I think sometimes we, we want our pastors and our ministry leaders to function like customer service agents. And so, you know, you have a concern and you bring it to me and I say, oh, I am so sorry. Was the air a little bit too warm in the service today? Don't worry, we'll get that fixed so that next week you don't have to sweat during service. And we kind of go through all these things. Now, listen, I love you guys. Like, I think you know that. I love you. All of our pastors, all our ministry staff, we love you guys. And we want you to be happy and comfortable. But there has to be something deeper and bigger and, and, and more, like, worthwhile than just everybody feels great all of the time, right? Amen. And that thing, that thing that is bigger, um, I think, is getting ourselves caught up in a big picture of God's glory. He is the greatest good. He is the highest, like the most beautiful, amazing, life-giving, ultimate thing in the universe. John Piper is great at pointing out when God is the highest ultimate thing, then we break down and it functions, we all function um, inappropriately, wrongly, brokenly, when we take the highest good in the universe and we act like anything else is the highest good. Often it's ourselves that we're putting there, right? As the highest good, the thing to be pursued above all else. No, that's who God is. That's who Jesus is. And so we focus our eyes that way, get caught up in the glory of God, and I would love to see this church family grow more and more and more into that the whole time. So we prioritize the glory of God, okay? How do we do that? And this is where we get into the mission. How are we going to pursue God's glory in all things? It looks like this for us. We're going to do that by finding life in Jesus today. By finding life in Jesus. This is huge. It's so important. And we have to ask ourselves then the question, like, what does it mean to find life? I've got a few verses here from John 13 to 17, where Jesus talks about um, us finding life in him. So John 14, 6, the classic statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, so Jesus is defining himself like this. I am the life. Okay, think of the tree planted by um, the streams, and it's pulling this life from the stream. Jesus is the life that we as the tree bring into ourselves, and so we're, we're connecting to him. We're saying we need him. He is our life. Um, John 17, 3, he's saying, um, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's this reminder. Jesus is saying, praying to the Father, I'm, I'm giving them eternal life. I'm, I'm, I'm offering myself to give eternal life to them, and this is what eternal, look, eternal life looks like, knowing God and knowing Jesus. This is what it looks like. So the life that we receive is about knowing him, about being connected to him. 
And then John 15 that we looked at a while back um, is one of the most beautiful analogies ever of the vine and the branches. Jesus himself is the vine, the Father's the vine dresser, we're the branches. And, and the life flows through the vine, out into the branches, and that bears fruit through us. And so there's this reminder that, man, if we are going to have life, if we're going to be alive, if there's going to be anything worth experiencing in ourselves, it's going to be because we're connected to the vine, which is, as branches, our source of life. And so the reminder there is to be connected, to be tied in, and to be finding life in Jesus. So what does it mean? What does it mean to find life in Jesus? It can be kind of a churchy thing to say. So what does it mean? I, I, I want us to kind of ponder for a second. I've been pondering this myself. Where are you finding life in Jesus? Where have you? Um, and so do you find, like, in your soul, a strengthening in your soul when you sit down and read the Bible? And so you're reading the words of God. You find yourself kind of, like, girded up and strengthened inside. I think that's finding life in Jesus on a deep level. Do you find a release of guilt from off your shoulders when you contemplate, read about, pray about, think about the forgiveness that Jesus offers, the way he sacrificed himself for you, the way that he loves you to make you a new creation, to get rid of the bonds of your slavery, to sin, those kinds of things. When you find yourself forgiven, do you feel that release of guilt and weight that you carried? I think that is part of what it means to find this life in Jesus. Do you find when you pray to God, pray to Jesus, pray to the Spirit, do you find when you pray a sense of peace that comes upon you? I think those are moments where we're finding life in Jesus. Do you find a sense of renewed hope when you come to the Lord and honestly just say, I'm overburdened, I'm overworked, I can't do this anymore, I'm out of energy. When you come and you confess that, release that to him, casting your cares upon him, do you find this like sense of lightening, lightening of a load, a renewed hope that you have? As you go out about your day, as you work, as you live, do you find a sense of joy as you find the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, as these things flow out into your life, to the people around you, as the, the, the Lord nudges you towards, hey, talk to this person, encourage them, pray for them, as we're seeing the Spirit of God work his fruit, the fruit of his Spirit, um, into the lives of the people around us, do we find the joy that comes through that? I think all of these things are ways that we find life in Jesus. And it's definitely not limited there. What, what it's basically saying is my life is oriented to Jesus, not just as a servant to a master, but also as to a, a branch to a vine, Right? that I'm going to find life in him. And the more I lean in and the more I approach him and the more I kind of follow, and when he tells me to cast my cares on him, I'm going to try to cast my cares upon him. The more we do that, the more we find ourselves coming alive on the inside. And we find a source of strength and hope that we didn't know we had. And we find peace in the midst of really difficult situations. So saying that, though, saying that, this is, we're saying this is our mission. This is what we're pursuing. We are glorifying God by finding life in Jesus. It does not mean it's going to be perfect. Okay, I've, I've had like like two moments in my entire life where I'm like, cracked the code. I've got my spiritual life down. I know how to find life in Jesus. I'm going to be good for the rest of my life. And then, of course, like anything changes at all and my whole life falls apart. You know, you have kids and it's like, OK, I thought I knew how to talk to Jesus, but like that's not working anymore. And so it changes all the time. And so I want to say to us, if you're here and you're like, oh, that idea of following, uh, finding life in Jesus, I haven't experienced that in a while or I haven't experienced that ever I just want to say, don't stress. We're saying this is our mission. This is our goal, right? This is where I'm calling us to reprioritize this. Because there's so many things in church that we could call you to, right? We could call you to um, come be part of the band. We could call you to step out front and greet. We could call you to serve in a kid's classroom. We could call you to go hand out food to the poor. There's so many things that we could call you to. And what we're ultimately saying is the first and last thing that we want to call you to 
is be the kind of person that finds life in Jesus. Sit at his feet. Come to him in prayer. Like, you're, it's not going to be perfect. It's always a roller coaster. But do that. Jump on the roller coaster because that matters more than anything that you'll ever do inside this building or out in our community. It matters the most. Thank you, Julia. And so that is the call, to reprioritize, to lean into that and say, hey, um, we're going to do this. And here's the key. If you are trying this, you're trying to find life in Jesus and you're frustrated, I want to suggest that likely it's hard because you're trying to do it by yourself. And so back to our mission statement. We are glorifying God by finding life in Jesus together. And that together is one of my favorite words in this whole thing. Pretty much every word in here is like my favorite word, but together. We're finding life in Jesus together. There is a version of church that would stop right there and say, hey, what you need to do is find life in Jesus. Go get it done, okay? You as an individual, you as an individual, you as an individual, go find life in Jesus, and then we'll, we'll gather so that we can remind every individual, go do that. But what we're saying is Creekside Church, who we want to be is a group of people that find life in Jesus together. Like we are a family, and so we do it actually side by side, and we do it together, and we come alongside of each other, and we help each other when we're weak. Man, it is such a huge key distinctive for us as Creekside Church to say we don't want to be the ones that are just saying, hey, go do it, go do it, go do it. But nope, let's do this together side by side. And this is literally what Jesus called us to. So we talked about this just last week, but John 17, verse 20, he says, I don't ask for these only, those who are sitting around the physical table with him there, the 11 disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's praying for us. And what does he pray for us? He prays that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. And so I want to just say, if you're finding the Christian life hard, if it's difficult to find life in Jesus, I just want to suggest my first diagnostic question is, have you been trying to do it by yourself? And I'll say the answer for me often is yes. I've been trying to do this myself, and I try for a bit, I can do okay for a bit, and then I fail and I stumble. And I think the reality that we have to come to is Jesus never intended for us to try to be Christians on our own. It just is not his plan. It's not his design. It's never what he called us to, to try to do this on your own. He's called us to do it together, that we be one, that we be united, that we be perfectly one so that the world can see, like, are we going to believe that Jesus really came from God? How will the world believe that? By us being united together. And so we are a people that is finding life in Jesus together, coming alongside of each other. I think the world that we're in, and, and we as individuals are so broken because we're so individualized. This is a huge, huge American thing, um, that we are rugged individuals that do things on our own. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, that take responsibility for our own actions, um, that, that make it or, or break it on our own. And man, there's some good sides in all of that, taking ownership or whatever. But the reality is that when it comes to the Christian life, it's like we've been trying to play a team sport as an individual. And even if you're LeBron James, you have to have a team um, to win the thing. Now, sometimes you, you get the impression like, okay, no, that team is not doing anything. It's just LeBron James. But uh, he can't do it. He cannot do it without a team. <clears throat> this is what we're called to. We can kind of be Christians on our own. Kind of we can be Christians on our own. We simply can't be the church on our own. And when we get, dig into what does it mean, really mean to be a Christian, we realize, no, God never intended us to walk that alone. We connect to him, but we do it together. And so this is this huge countercultural thing. This week, 
uh, for me was an amazing week. And a big reason for that was we started um, on Tuesday, the staff and I, we went away for like a day retreat. So we went up to this retreat center and we spent the whole morning, we did some, some planning in the afternoon. We spent the whole morning in like silence and prayer. And so we were given like these prayer prompts and then we were given like an obscene amount of time just to like sit and pray and be alone with our thoughts and to contemplate things in the presence of the Lord. And it was amazing. I, I, like I connected with the Lord. Um, I, everyone that was on this retreat with us, we connected with the Lord. Um, but to me, what's so beautiful about it is not just that we did that as individuals, but that we did it together. Because then we came back and we talked. And man, to talk to um, Lisa McDonald, who does our, our, our student ministries director, our executive director, and she is so passionate about prayer. She's so passionate about um, like God's grace, and she helps our kids all the time. And the, all the curriculum and everything they do helps the kids to lean into the grace of God, learning how to pray. She brings that into our planning meetings, our, our um, ministry leader training stuff. She is so phenomenal with all that, and it encourages my heart in those directions. Priscilla, who's our women's ministry director, God's given her this tender heart that cares and loves people so deeply, and she invests that in our women week to week, and she brings that into the overall planning that we do as a church, and it makes me a better person. Um, Nathan, Pastor Nathan, who God brought to us this year has been such a gift, and he has such a pastoral heart, so passionate about discipleship and investing in our groups and in who we are, and that brings fire to my own soul that beats in the similar ways. Carly is passionate about... Um, people connecting with, the, with God, um, listening to God. She believes that our youth are actually capable of this. And I love it because she's investing there and she's making all of us better. Jalise up here week after week just worshiping the Lord has such a heart to connect with God and to see the rest of us do that. So all of this, there's this team, that's just six people on our staff, you know, six of our ministry leaders that God's brought. That's all that is, right? And, and it's, it's God fueling my soul um, by the way that he's fueling their soul. And if we expand that out to our elders, into our congregation, into all the volunteers at every level. Like, this is a place, a family, that we can set each other on fire by the ways that we're pursuing. Not because every single one of us is always on the spiritual high of our lifetimes, but because we're there to be strong when one of us is weak, and we're here to carry each other. And man, like, it is such a compelling thing to be part of a family that is just together and sees each other. The, the Christian community, as God envisioned it, can be such a powerful thing. So, that is where we're headed. We are glorifying God by finding life in Jesus together. But then there's one more phrase that's so important. Finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. And this is a way of us saying that we refuse to be a sheltered church. We refuse to be the kind of church that hides out, that wants to just, hey, as long as we can kind of get in here and be safe like Noah's Ark, we can hide out from what's happening in the world around us. We can throw stones and talk about how bad it's getting out of there. But if we can be huddled up together, we're going to be fine. That's not what Jesus is calling Creekside Church to. And so this is in John 17 as well, verses 15 to 18. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Jesus praying for us. He says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And so again, what is Jesus praying for, for his people? He's looking and he's saying, Lord, they're in a world. He's talked about how the world in John 15, the world's going to persecute them. Um, they're going to experience this hardship and this persecution. But he's saying, Lord, they're there and it's going to be hard for them. But I'm not praying, Lord, please don't take them out of that world. They need to be there. In the same way that you sent me there, I'm sending them into the world. And so he's saying, 
Keep them there, Lord. I'm sending them there. Don't take them out of that, but, but keep them from the evil one while we're there. And the reminder for us is we want to be a people that is finding life in Jesus together. Like, that's what we need. Definitely that's what we need. That's our job description. That's who our target. But also, we're people that are inviting others to do the same. That, that, that are not insulating ourselves, but are saying, hey, I'm finding life in this. I'm going to invite other people to do the same thing. We're sent, just as Jesus was sent, to do exactly that. I think the world doesn't need more Christians to tell them what to think, how to vote, how to believe. Like, like we've done that. We've tried that for centuries or whatever. Just like, like, do this, do this, do this, do this. What the world needs is a compelling community of Christians that are shaped by the love of Jesus, that, that are going out and inviting other people to experience that with us. Amen. So we want to be a group of people that finds that life in Jesus, and we invite other people to do it. I think the problem is sometimes we feel like we are inviting people to something that is not that exciting, okay? So just imagine with me. Imagine that I um, leave here, and I go to McDonald's, and I'm eating a meal at McDonald's. And some of you are like, yeah, I don't have to imagine that hard. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so I'm sitting at McDonald's, and I pull out my phone, and I call you up, and I say, hey, I'm having a nice meal at McDonald's, Big Mac fries. Um, why don't you come join me for this meal at McDonald's, right? Now, there's a few of you that I know, like, we're tight, and you would do that with me. A few of you were not tight, and you would still do that with me, okay? <clears throat> but most of you are like, meal at McDonald's? I don't think so. Plus, this scenario would never happen because when I eat at McDonald's, it's not something I'm proud of. It's like a, a shame meal, you know? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a meal of necessity, and I don't want you to know that I'm at McDonald's having a lunch, right? And I think sometimes we treat church like that, right? It's like, oh, do you, you want to be part of my, no, n never mind. Like, it's, it's kind of weird. I'm not that into it. Like, I'm not that excited about it. And so we, we get ourselves involved as Christians in these things that become weird and a little bit inbred and a little bit, like, off. And, and we're not that proud. We're not that excited about it. And so the call for us is, let's be a people that, that let's go of religious stuff, right? Let's let go of the weird church culture stuff. Let's let go of all that. But what we never want to let go of is we are finding life in Jesus. And if we're not finding life in Jesus, let's pursue it. Let's dig in, right? Let's reprioritize. Let's set that as the goal. Let's help each other find that life so that then we have something that is so compelling to invite each other into, an invitation that we actually would accept ourselves. And, and here I'm saying, amen, and here I'm saying, uh, I'm saying that we've, as a culture, grown a little bit um, wary of Sunday morning gatherings. I think that's the national trend. That's what we're seeing. People are kind of like, is Sunday morning worth it? And what I'm here to say is I see a lot of life in this as well. Now, this is not the only life in the church, okay? And this is not necessarily the source of it. So singing songs together, telling some stories together, hearing from the Word of God together, um, that's not the whole thing that the church is meant to be, okay? But I'm saying, I think there's so much life here. Like, I come week after week, and I am just so blessed by you guys, by, by what God's doing in your lives, and I get to hear the stories of that. The Word of God is challenging me every single week. I'm connecting with the Lord through worship. There's so much life here, right? And when we go into our small groups, our gospel communities, our discipleship groups, there's so much life there in all that. But what I'm saying is, if it's lifeless, if it's weird, let's make it, let's find more life. Let's do it together. And the only way that's going to happen is if this is the kind of place where we're actually gathering as a family on a mission. If we're gathering as a service with a couple of talking heads that kind of tell you guys what's going on and leave, that's not that exciting, okay? But if you're coming here and we're a family and every Sunday morning feels like a little family reunion and we ask, what's God doing in your life this week? And we're challenging each other. When we bring the excitement and the life that we're finding in Jesus into this place, man, that is the kind of place that I'm going to be excited to invite people into. 
And I'm, and I'm telling you that because I'm experiencing that. Like, I see that every single week, and the, the call is, let's do it more. Let's lean into that more. Let's set the target more clearly as it's not just about, like, joining to, um, to sing or whatever. It's just about joining together to do something life-giving. There's plenty to be frustrated about with church, right? Like, we're, we're not, there's so many things that we could go after. We're never going to be the, the church that, that we're all about just, like, let's have, like, the biggest concert of our lives every Sunday. Like, that's, that's not us, right? We're not even going to be the church that's like, we have a very appropriate volume level during worship every Sunday, okay? You guys know enough about that. <clears throat> but I want us to be the people that come in with this sense of like, I'm finding life in Jesus, and I can't wait to see my brothers and sisters, and we can challenge and inspire each other. And I think that community of finding life in Jesus together is the kind of thing that we invite people into. We have, um, we have this, like, project that has been um, the, the elders, the staff, myself, we've been praying about for, for more than a year now where, you know, you might have noticed we have like this empty pond out back here. So it's, it's never had water in it. It's, it's lovely, but it's just this dry rock bed. Never had any water in it. Several of your kids have sprained their ankles out there, I'm sure. It's like, it's this, this like hot mess back there. Um, but the prayer has been like, Lord, could, could we, could we get some grass back there? Could we get this space where we, as like a church family, can like finish up a service where we worship together and let's go and hang out, grab lawn chairs and sit there, eat around a food truck, like hang out. And what, what I love about that is the thought of like on the building on the back here, those of you that live in Lincoln know there's a, a sign that says Creekside Church, okay? So when you drive past, and, and many of you guys have been suckered in by that sign for whatever reason, and you're like, Creekside Church, I wonder what that's about. And that's the whole story. That's how you got here. I, God works in mysterious ways, you know? Um, but I love that, like, okay, that's there. The, the community can see Creekside Church. This is our building, right? But what I love is, like, if, as God provide, provides the funds and everything else and makes that happen, that becomes a place where, man, people driving by, they can see our family, right? Our building's cool. They can see our family. And, and we have lights out there, and we're hanging out, and we're, like, people are seeing, okay, that's a tight-knit group. I wonder what's going on there. And the reality is, is, like, if God provides the funds, we'll do that before too long. But, but regardless, it's already happening because we're out in our communities, right? And we're having dinners in our communities, and we're, we're reaching out, we're serving, we're blessing in our communities. And that is the, like, sign on the front of the church that I love. Not, not come be part of this building and what happens in the gathering here, but be part of this group of people. This is a group that you can belong to. This is a, a group that's finding life in Jesus together, and you're invited to be part of that. that. This is the way that we definitely, like, care for each other within the church. We're a family, but it's also the way that we do this mission of going out and, and becoming ourselves the kind of people with the kind of goal of finding life together and making that the kind of community that we want to invite people into. And I'm telling you, the world needs it so badly. We need it so we're Man, like, we are so broken and we're so isolated, and so the call is let's live together as this compelling community that's shaped by Jesus. So here is our mission statement. We're glorifying God by finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. I'm so inspired by this. And now you have, so you have to know, um, why does a mission statement matter? Like there's a side of me that cringes because of like the corporate nature of like the mission statement and whatever. And, and I like literally put together a PowerPoint presentation about it. So I'm sorry about all those connotations. But what I love is it's calling us to clarify who we are and what we're about. So you have to know, there's, there's amazing churches all around us, like practically within arm's reach. Doxa Church is an amazing church. Bridgeway is an amazing church. Bayside's an amazing church. There's all these like amazing churches that God's put around, but God, and God is on one level calling all of us to do the exact same thing, right? Glorify God, make disciples, like that's our goal, that's what it is to be a church. But there's also within that, there's, there's this freedom for us to, to listen to the Lord and say, 
what are you calling Creekside specifically to do? What do you want for us specifically? And, and with this clarity comes the ability to say, okay, God has um, set these, all these amazing churches in our community, which is great, and we're all united and combined with them. I have great relationships with the other pastors. Um, I, I love so many of the people that I know in these other congregations. So it's a family. It's a big thing. But there's going to be things that Bayside does that we don't do and the Doxa does that we don't do and vice versa, right? And I think that's healthy because it's about us saying, okay, we're a family here in this space. How do we listen to what the Lord is calling us particularly and uniquely to be and to do in the midst of this community? And man, that, that invitation, that's what I want us to pick up and to say, hey, there's things that like, okay, this gives us a way to evaluate. Like, do we do this or, or do we do that? And this mission kind of helps us um, focus there. So in the, in the weeks ahead, the next uh, four weeks, we're going to talk through, we've got, um, we've got three value statements that are going to shape the culture of our church, how we live together. And I'm excited to begin digging into those next week. Um, but as we go through, the call that I have for all of us is, would you pray about investing in this mission with us? And, and when I say investing, I mean, would you invest your prayers into this? So we're saying, we want to be a people that glorify God by finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. Would you pray about, Lord, would you make that happen? Would you make us the kind of family on this kind of mission? Lord, would you do that? So uh, invest in prayer with me. Um, I also want to ask you to invest your time and your energy and your gifting. Like, would you invest those things as well, just recognizing that this will never be the kind of place that accomplishes a mission like this if it's a couple of people that are up front, a couple of people that get paid to hang out here during the week. Like, it will never happen. It happens if we can be this group of people that says, I'm going I'm, I'm to invest myself in this. I'm going to find life in Jesus. I'm going to do it side by side with other people. I'm going to be the ones inviting. If we do that, then man, that is the kind of investment that makes this place come alive. And I, I'm, I'm seeing it happen already. But would you consider just investing more? And then the other thing that I have to say every now and then because I'm a pastor is, would you invest financially in this as well? Um, many of you have expressed like surprise at like, this is weird. It feels like a church, but you never pass the offering plate. Like, is it does it count as a church if you don't do that? I, I love that we don't pass that around. We have the offering box on the side. We have uh, ways to give on the website um, because it's not, it's not the big thing for us, right? Like, like we, we're not here to make money. We're not here to get your money or anything like that. But if we are going to be a family on this mission, there's certain things that it requires, right? And so there's, there's allocation of resources. There's things like having a nice space where we can gather and we can inspire each other and we can do those kinds of things. And so the invitation is like, Invest in it financially as well. Like, let's be part of this thing. Let's lean in and say, this is worth my time. It's worth my giftedness. It's worth my energy. It's worth my resources. Let's invest in what God's going to do in Creekside. I, I've never been more excited about the church with a capital C. I've never been more excited about Creekside Church. I, I feel like there's this clarity that the Lord has brought. I feel like there's a new life and a new passion um, that he's put within our um, our elder team, our, our ministry team, our pastors and everything else, I feel like the, the, this is resonating with so many hearts because I think the Spirit of God is going before and saying, yes, this is worth our energy and attention. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and we're going to sing just a little bit more to process all this, but um, would you join me in just praying, asking the Lord to make this more of a reality for us? Lord Jesus, I am so thankful that I can, I can stand here, I can open your word, and we can look together and see, Lord, these, these things that you're calling us to are beautiful, and they are life-giving. Lord, thank you that the, the mission that we can have is not just work harder, um, try harder, 
don't give up, uh, but that we can actually talk about what we want to pursue is finding life in you, being like that tree in Psalm 1, planted by the river, soaking up all these nutrients, all this life and this water in it. I pray that we would be individually and also collectively like that tree, that we'd find all this life in you, that we'd find ourselves renewed and restored day by day, that we'd be strong for each other when we're weak. Help us to be the kind of family, Lord, that cares for each other so well, that, that, that finds this life and this healing in you day by day. Lord, may we be a source of hope and healing to our friends and our neighbors who, who need you, and some of them know that and some of them don't, but Lord, may we just be that faithful presence to lovingly just invite people into something that we ourselves find life in. You are so good, Lord. You are so good. And I pray that we would remember that and experience that in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.